Come on, church. The God of the breakthroughs is in this house tonight. I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. Can you give him a great big praise? He's in the house. My king, your king, is in the house. Praise the name of the Lord. 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 Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence in this place, oh God. We submit our lives and this time unto you, God. Have your way, O oh Lord. Have your way. We count it an honor, God. We count it a privilege to be in your house and be able to feel your presence. And the confirmation of your desire, God, to what you want to do in this house tonight, God. You want to bless your people. You want to touch your people. You want to break your people. You are the God of the breakthroughs. And we give you praise for it. In Christ's holy name, one more time, give him praise. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We should never take for granted what we feel here, what we experience here. He's an awesome God. Hallelujah. I know this is a good crowd for Sunday night. Thank you for being here. You honored God by being here. I know in this house tonight... There's people who've been through a lot of things, going through a lot of things today. And is anybody in here who wishes things were different today for you? What you've been going through. It's been trying at times, but you've gone through some things. Anybody in here today wish things were different for your children, that you've got some children that you wish things were different for them? Is anybody here today that's got things going on in the lives of your grandchildren, you wish things were different for them? Come on, somebody. Well, what if I told you God sent me to tell you to believe they could be tomorrow? That by this time tomorrow. You know, when you've seen the, the nation, seen the football player fall on the field. It was a bad day. They weren't sure he's going to make it through the night. But there is a nation of believers who believe that it could be different tomorrow. And you know what happened tomorrow, the next day? God healed him. That young man today was back at the football game today. So don't tell me what you're going through today can't change tomorrow. As long as we have the faith to believe that God can do those things. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to go to the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 14 through 17. I want to read. The scripture says, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite and the son of Asphus, as he stood in the assembly, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, say tomorrow. tomorrow. 
He said, tomorrow, march down against them. They'll be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You'll not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, but go out to face them tomorrow. Say tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. Jehaziel was prophesying to King Jehoshaphat and the people something was going to change tomorrow. He was saying, your situation might be bad today. It don't look good today. But with God on your side, it could be better tomorrow. It was a psalmist who said, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And he was implying it may be bad today. It might be a sad day. You may be going through some stuff today, the same stuff you maybe even went through yesterday. But he said, but tomorrow, joy can come in the morning. And tonight I came to serve notice to pain and suffering and sorrow of today that joy can come tomorrow. If I would only believe in the God of my tomorrow today. Hallelujah. Give God praise. Tomorrow. Let's talk about tomorrow today. If you knew tomorrow today, if you knew tomorrow today, you might not feel like you do today. Because with God, there's always possibility things will be different tomorrow. Tomorrow, things could be different. They could turn around for your good. The trial could be over. The pain could be gone. The affliction could be healed. Lord, help me to put this in somebody's spirit tonight. Matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, if tomorrow could talk to you today. Hold up just a minute. Wrong neighbor. Try the other one. Say, neighbor, if tomorrow could talk to you today, you may not feel like you do today. You know what? Because your tomorrow could be a better day that you've been waiting for, where you can say goodbye to sorrow. You can say goodbye so long to that pain. Where you can, you can welcome home peace once again. Let me have a testimony. Has anybody been through something and it got better? Raise your hand. Hallelujah. But the day that you were going through it, you weren't so sure it was going to get any better. But what happened? But tomorrow came, and it was over, and you were set free, or you were healed, or you were delivered because God showed up. Hallelujah. It can be a day when a, and a bad season's over. It can be a day when a new beginning begins tomorrow. I'd like to preface this sermon with this statement. One of the greatest tragedies in life is to believe God can only do what he's already done. You see, many of us are guilty of handcuffing God to yesterday. And many of us are content in living always in yesterday, but yet you've never lived in tomorrow yet. And many stand securely sandwiched in between yesterday and tomorrow. Where you stand securely in between history and your future. Where you stand securely in between what has been and what is to come. And you sit so eager to go back, but so reluctant to go forward. All of us has a past and a yesterday, yet God promises of a future destiny. And to want to stay in yesterday is to refuse to continue to walk the faith and path that God has laid out for you. Which will lead you to falling short of receiving everything that God has planned for you. How many of you have dreams for your children? And you go and you map out the direction that they need to follow. And you're confident that if your children will just follow your plan all the way through, they will see what's best for them. <laughs> How's that working? But yet at some point, they refuse to go any further 
they abort your plan, and they become satisfied with just a high school education. When you had a college education, you planned for their lives. You dreamed of the day of planning a big wedding, but they become satisfied with not marrying. You plan to have grandkids by the age 50, but they become satisfied not having kids at all. And yet they could have had so much more, but they will not never know because they were satisfied with yesterday. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus understands how you feel. He came and died on an old rugged cross so that we may have life and have it more abundantly, yet so many live beneath their privileges and plans for their lives. Because before we were formed in our mother's womb, he had a plan for us. He had our lives all mapped out so we could have an abundant life. Yet so many of us were only willing to go so far or chose our plans over his plans. Life is a journey. It has a beginning and an expected end. According to scripture, we've all sinned and fall, fallen and come short of the glory of God. We all have a past. You know, I don't care how cute you look trying to act like you sang past me, not O gentle Savior, all of your life. If you'll be real, there were days you used to sing past me another cold one. Come on, somebody. I don't care how super duper spiritual you act today. We all have a past and yesterday. Can I get a witness? If we all could peek into each other's past, some of you wouldn't be so comfortable sitting by who you're sitting by if you only knew their past. Why, if our past was exposed, some of you could clear out a whole row. <laughs> but the problem is, no matter how, what row you move to, they have a past too. I may not be who I really need to be yet, but I'm sure not who I used to be. Because when I got saved, all things, things became new, old things have passed away. I'm a new creature in Christ. Yes, we all got a past. And I wonder if we could go back in time to our old selves to yesterday. How many of us, when we see how really, we really were, the first thing we'd do is slap the stupid out of ourselves for acting like we did, for being disrespectful, for being rebellious? And how many of us like to go back and change the things we did, handle some things differently? I always say, if I could go back and know what I know now, if I could have talked to my tomorrow back then, if we could go back, some of us be telling ourselves, don't drink that, don't smoke that, don't date him. Listen to your mama. Go to school. Would we not? Men, we would be telling ourselves, sure, she's fine. Top the line. Cute face. Nice lines. But she's crazy. <laughs> Don't waste your time on her. And ladies, you'd be telling yourselves, sure, he's captain of the team, a fighting machine, every girl's dream, but he's nothing but a player. I'll find me a better one. If we knew what we know now, can I get a witness? If we could sit down and talk to yesterday, oh, what a conversation we could have. But I don't want us to today because that's not what we need. The past is the past. We can't change the past, but we can change what we do from this day forward. Only tomorrow has the possibility to change what's happening today. We got to quit looking in the rearview mirror. The only thing you can see in the rearview mirror is what's behind you, your past. You'll only view places you've been, mistakes you've made, things you regret that you've done. You look forward out the windshield to start seeing what's in front of you, your future, things you've never seen. You can't cling to yesterday and move forward. You can, you can either lose, choose to live in your past where everything remains the same, or you can choose to go forward and do something different that will cause you to be different. I don't care how many times you plant corn, you're never going to get tomatoes. You're always going to get corn until you plant something different. So let's talk about yesterday. Let's talk about tomorrow. 
In our text, the Lord used Jehaziel to tell Israel, if you want things to be different tomorrow, he said, then do something different tomorrow. He was telling them, if you're tired of living in fear of your enemy, then tomorrow stand up and face your enemy. He said, I'll be with you. You won't even have to fight the battle, for the battle's mine. He told them to start expecting tomorrow to be different. Now, that in itself is a word for someone. Why would God tell him that? Same reason he's telling me to tell you that. Because he knows right where you're at today, but he also already knows your tomorrow. He told them to get up tomorrow and do something different. Instead of fearing what your enemy can do to you, start believing what I can do to your enemy. Come on. God was saying, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If I'm for you, who can be against you? Stand up and face your enemy and believe I'm on your side. Believe the battle's not yours, it's mine. You don't have to fight him, just face him. And watch and see if I don't deliver you. There's two things to, we need to stop doing if we want to go forward and deal with things that always being like they were yesterday. And that's number one, stop focusing on the past or you'll never see your future. Many will say, well, I did this and I did that, so everyone knows I did, so I just can't get past it. Let, let me ask a question. Have you ever read this book called um, um, The Bible? If not, I highly recommend it to you. Because from the first day it hit the market till today, it's still the number one best-selling book ever. And there's a reason for that. Because there's never been a book that has contributed more to changing the lives of people who have read it more than it has since its existence. And there's a reason for that, too. Because it's the truth. And the truth will make you free. Because it's an inspired word written by God. It was written by several writers who wrote this book as the Spirit of God breathed upon them. It was divinely put together to be the infallible, unadulterated Word of God. And reading it will be so much more profitable for your life. If you're trying to find something to help you change your life to be a better you, I highly recommend it. Matter of fact, I will even go to the extreme of encouraging you to cancel your Inquire, your Home and Garden, and even your GQ mag magazine subscriptions. And suggest you take all that money and buy yourself a Bible and get yourself a good dose of Thus Saith the Lord. A good dose of I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, a lot of folks say they can't get over what happened yesterday. And many are asking, how can I? You want a simple answer? It's a choice. Now, there may be a process to it, but you first have to choose to go through the process of recovery. It's kind of like losing weight. You never will unless you choose to go through the process that will cause that to happen. And so many are like those who never try to lose weight. Many never try to get over their past. They just continue to carry the weight with them, which in some day they just could wake up and be skinny. It's not going to happen because you haven't chose to do anything different. A lot of people refuse the process. There's a reason why it's called the past because it's past. It's over. You did it or it happened. If it's something still happening, then it's not past. It's where you're presently at. I'm talking about the past. The apostle looked at the very present situation in his life. He bowed, and this too shall pass. Every situation he found himself in, and this too shall pass. No matter what he faced presently, he declared it won't last. It's just for a season. His hope was always in tomorrow, what tomorrow would bring to his life. He trusted in it. He trusted in the Lord. He had faith in God that God would see him through it. Why? Because he always believed that God would deliver him. He always believed by God's promise his latter would be greater than his former. He always had an expectation by faith that tomorrow is going to be different than today. And when it is, then it's his past, and it's over, move on. 
That's why he wrote this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me, reaching for the things that are in front of me. It's all possible by having faith that God can deliver me and that tomorrow things can change. Start reaching forward. Tomorrow doesn't always have to be like today. If today in your life is a dark time, start believing the sun's coming up tomorrow. The Lord told you that you got to face your enemy tomorrow. For some folks, your worst enemy is you. Too often you hinder yourself more than anyone else. For some, you've had the chance to be free a long time ago. Some people haven't got, have gotten so comfortable in their sorrow to be free would be so uncomfortable to you that after a short period of time, you'd want to return back to where you were. Why? It's a comfortable place. For someone got, caught, got the straps, a bondage cut off of you, yet although they're gone, you still live like you're still on you. That stuff happened 20 years ago. And you believe you can't go forward because of what happened 20 years ago in a different house by a different man. You don't live there no more. You don't see him no more. But what happened yesterday is still in you. Can't is not in God's vocabulary. Nothing is impossible with God. Someone was told a lie. But someone at the age of five, and you still believe it, and now you're 35, told you you'd never amount to nothing. And because of who they were, the position they held in your life, you believed it. And today you conclude, I've never amounted to nothing. The devil is a liar. You lived in the past all these years and never saw your future because you held on to yesterday, never expecting anything different tomorrow. You know, you can take a horse. Horses are big, strong animals, very strong physically. But you can take a horse and you can put it in your backyard even and put up an electric fence around it, keep it in, and after it touches a few times and shocks him, it will never come close to that fence again. Every day he'll only go so far. Every day he's limited. The pain in the fence is so embedded in his mind that after 90 days you can actually turn the electric fence off. And he'll never test to see if it's still on. Someone today is that way. You went through something for so long, it's embedded in your mind. It's always going to be like this. You've just been locked up in a prison for so long as you never even checked to see if the door might be open tomorrow. Yet God unlocked it 10 years ago. And some of you are sitting here in your emotional or spiritual prison by sitting in the presence of God at the palace of praise, and it ought not be. You know what I wish? I wish a praise would break out in here by some folks who've been set free, by some folks who know how to rattle some prison doors with their praise. Hallelujah. Some folks who know like Paul and Silas what praise can do in the midnight hour of their dilemmas. I'm asking for some radical praise that would begin to open prison doors for those who are still bound to show them that the doors are open, that there should be a shout in this place, hollering to the bound, run, run, go, you're free. So you can encourage somebody sitting by you by shouting, I'm free. It happened one night at midnight for Paul and Silas who were locked up in prison. Although bound, they refused to recite to their conditions. They begin to sing praises at the midnight hour because they knew one second after midnight, it's always a new day, that by this time tomorrow, things could be different. And as they sang, God inhabited their praises. Then the whole jail joined in, united in praise, and God shook the jailhouse to the point the gates broke open in the prison, freeing Paul and Silas and only them, but everyone else in the prison, it changed their tomorrow. If we could talk to tomorrow. And he could tell us what's ahead of us. You just have to have the faith, though, that tomorrow won't be like today. It's time for you to tell your sorrows goodbye. It's time to tell them you can't stay here no more. 
But Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. You can receive faith to believe this by hearing this word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Are you listening? Somebody shout amen. If you don't like this, tomorrow, the sun's coming up tomorrow. Hallelujah. It don't have to be like this. Some of you, after hearing this message, ought to be going home, going to bed a lot earlier than normal tonight. Why? Because you're so anxious for tomorrow to come, knowing what you know now. And let me tell you something important to know about tomorrow, though. Your adversary will be the first one you'll face in the morning to remind you that today's going to be just not going to be any different than yesterday. Matter of fact, he'll remind you of your yesterday. That shouldn't shock you. He's been doing that every morning for the last 10 years. But what you should do tomorrow based upon what you learned today should be different. So what do you do? You get up in faith and in confidence God is with you. And you face your enemy in faith and not fear this time. You tell him, not today, devil. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Maybe my circumstances hadn't changed, old slewfoot, but I'm going to be changed in my circumstances because no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that is me than he that is in the world. Tell him from now on, I will always believe that as long as I have a tomorrow, I have a possibility of victory over my enemies. And I refuse to be your victim anymore for I am a child of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you got a problem with that, talk to my father. Because the battle's not mine, it's the Lord's. I can have what he says I can have. I can do what he says I can do. Come on. Come on, somebody. Proclaim it. My enemy's been defeated, and death can't hold me down. I'm going to lift my hands in victory. I'm going to sing my praises loud. And then you know what you need to do? Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. Hallelujah. You do that and you watch and see if tomorrow's not different than today. Hallelujah. There you go. That's it. Hallelujah. Let the Lord minister to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Have your way, God. I'll get out of the way any moment. Hallelujah. And when you do that, Instead of getting up in the morning saying, oh, Lord, it's morning. You'll smile and say, good morning, Lord. It's a choice of the heart. Choose you this day whom you choose to serve. And the second thing, stop comparing yourself to others. If you always compare yourself to others, you're always going to see someone greater than you, find someone smarter than you. Find someone prettier than you. Find someone skinnier than you. Find someone more spiritual than you. Matter of fact, you will become bipolar trying to keep up with the Joneses, and the Joneses don't even like you. The grass always looks greener on the other side. But you better know their water bills are a lot higher too. Stop comparing. God has individually, uniquely created you to be you. No one is putting the pressure on you to be who you aren't any more than you are yourself. If you're allowing peer pressure to pressure you, then that's on you too. Get you some new peers. Young ladies always trying to be queen of the class when you're really destined to be queen in God's kingdom. Young men wanting to be players when you're destined to rule and reign as priest in God's kingdom. 
Don't you sit and pout. Well, I've only got two fishes and five loaves of bread. So what? Do you know with God you can feed the multitude and have 12 baskets left? Whoa, you say, well, Brother Randy, I've hung out till I'm strung out. So God's able to keep that which you committed to him. So repent so the times of freshening can come to your life. You may say, well, I've made such a mistake that I'm laughed at and mocked and ridiculed. So you're made more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Oh, let's just sing that song together. I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. So long as you got King Jesus, you don't need nobody else. Come on, somebody. You may not have what everyone else has got, but is anybody in here thankful for simply what you do got? Sometimes we get so engaged with yesterday, we believe that's all we're ever going to have is what we got today. Unless we believe in what God can do tomorrow, we'll never have peace with today. Some of y'all be writing this stuff down, making some of these warning liners yours. Because God's thrown out man tonight, here's your word. You should be starting to thank God for the possibilities of tomorrow. That things could be better tomorrow. That I could be better tomorrow. That the enemy I have today could be defeated tomorrow. You know, tomorrow is like a blind date you've never went on. Tomorrow could be a new path for you. Tomorrow could be a new song you've never sung. Tomorrow could be a, for you to meet a new friend you never had before. Tomorrow is full of possibilities. Hallelujah. But for many, instead of believing it's possible, you're afraid of tomorrow because you believe it'll be just like today or worse. Have you ever said, I dread tomorrow? What else can go wrong? Why? Because this is how it's always been. Why? Because you believed a lie. For some, they believed it's got what they deserved. I deserve this. This is, all I, this is all I should get. Why? Because of the past mistakes you made. You've bought into his You haven't bought into his mercies are new every day. Or his grace is sufficient. You put all your trust in man instead of God. You've never prepared for the attacks of your enemies. You do all your fighting in the flesh. And for many, you don't even fight anymore for fear of losing another battle. You know what Jesus said? Don't fear the one who can destroy your body, but fear the one who can destroy your body and your soul. This room ought to be full of people who are excited about the possibilities of tomorrow for their lives. You know it didn't happen today, but it could tomorrow. Tomorrow you could get the new job. Tomorrow your daughter might get saved. Your daddy might get healed. Your spouse might come back home. My foot still hurts today, but tomorrow all this pain could go away. It could happen tomorrow because it's not over till God says it's over. It could be dead for four days, but tomorrow Jesus could shout, Lazarus come forth, and the thing you thought was dead can come back alive. Hallelujah. You may not know what tomorrow holds. All you got to know is who holds tomorrow. If God holds my tomorrow... If I truly believe that, then anything is possible. Hallelujah. Let's look at our text and see what we can learn about tomorrow. How to, no matter how bad it is today. Jehazel makes repentance, reference to tomorrow two times. In our text, Judah and Jerusalem are mentioned. Judah is the southern region of Israel. Jerusalem is the northern region of Israel. Israel was divided into two regions after King Solomon's death. And at this present time, Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. The people of Judah and Jerusalem are being addressed by a man named Jehaziel. Well, let's go first go back to what led up to this day all of Israel had faith. Judah was out of control. They'd lost sight of God's blessing. 
they came to a place of turning away from God prior to King Jehoshaphat's reign. And they began to serve other gods. So Jehoshaphat thought, though it was a good king, God had given him the response to setting Jesus' house back in order. They'd come to a place where they felt they had no need of God, that by themselves alone, that they were a bag of Cheetos along with some barbecue Fritos and a Pepsi. Jehoshaphat had to bring order back to the land and remind folks not to forget the God who had brought them thus far. And Jehoshaphat had set some judges up to take care of the affairs of Judah. Our text says at the beginning of chapter 20, verse 1, that after this, after what? After Jehoshaphat set things in place, stability was established, and prosperity was coming to the people, anytime you honor God, this will take place in a nation because righteousness exalts a nation. And America needs a good dose of this, folks. But after this, watch what happens. The Ammonites, the Midianites, the Moabites, the surrounding enemies of Judah got together and they decided to attack Judah and take their stuff. All of them at one time in one day. Have you ever had a day like that? You get up one day and if anything can go wrong, it does. Well, your enemy throws everything he's got at you. You know what I mean. One thing after another. And it usually happens right when you're stable and prospering. Here he comes. Here's Judah in the same place. They've just begun to get their house in order as a nation. That's when your enemy's always going to come. He don't want your house in order, but disorder. It's his job to come to kill, steal, and destroy. Just when you make a conscious decision to serve the Lord. Just when you decide to clean your act up. Just when you start your ministry. Just when you accept the calling on your life. He shows up and he brings reinforcements. He's got to shut you down like he has so many times before. He ain't concerned about you when you're not living right, when he's got you destroying yourself. It's when you decide to get up out of your mess, he's coming for you. The moment you say, yes, Lord, that's the moment the bullseye goes on your back and you're a target. Stability is the land, prosperity's back, but now here comes not one, but three enemies to wipe you out. Now, three enemies are coming upon Judah all at once. That's still happening today, folks. Your house is falling apart. Your furnace don't work. Your roof's leaking. Bills are overdue. Your financial aid needs first aid. Your kids won't mind. You done developed tendonitis in your right hand from spanking them behinds every day. And work just called and said, don't come back all at once. Can we be real? That's enough to discourage you. So what can we do? Let's go to our text and see what did Judah do. Can I give my same prayer is still beneficial? In the beginning of chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat learns of this attack in verse 1 and 2. Guess what he did? He prayed and fasted, though all the way from verse 3 through 12. And he commanded everyone else to in the land. They call it corporate prayer. He knew if one could set the flight a thousand and two ten thousand, how much more could a nation praying and fasting do? And this sermon ought to be on every major TV network tonight because America needs to hear this word right here. Because here's what I learned from this. If you can learn about a problem in two verses, you ought to be able to pray for, about it for ten verses. Are you getting this? When your enemy comes against you, prayer is still our most valuable weapon. But yet it's what we do the least. Now let's go to verse 14 of our text we begin with. How many know strange people can be a blessing? Did the Bible not say we are a peculiar people? That God's not a respecter of persons? He don't anoint you because you're cute or you wear money suits. 
All too often, he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I like that because that includes me. I don't know about you. <laughs> Let's look at chapter 20, verse 14. Now, let me remind you, 20, verse 1 and 2, Jehoshaphat learns of the problem facing his nation, as I said. Then verse 3 through 12, he prayed and he fasted. Now, look at the results of what they did. Verse 14 says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Now, I had the same question maybe some of you all got right now when I first read this. Who in the world is Jehaziel? Geez. Nobody seemed to know. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a king. He carried no notable title. He was just an ordinary, peculiar person is the way I see him. Yet the Holy Spirit fell on him, and he began to prophesy to the people and the king. The only thing I found about out about him was his ancestry was listed in the Bible. So let me interject something quickly here, though. Don't underestimate just ordinary people. God used a donkey once to speak to a prophet. When the Spirit of the Lord falls on ordinary people, they can do extraordinary things under the anointing. You know what I found out? His daddy was Zechariah. His grandpa was Benaiah. His great-grandpa was Jael. And his great-great-granddaddy was Metaniah. This was all revealed right here in verse 14. You might say, so. Well, I say, so right back at you. Because check this out. Zechariah means God has remembered. Benaiah, God has built. Jael, carried by God. And Benaiah, gift of God. What I'm trying to get you to see is one thing is for sure. His daddy knew God. His granddaddy knew God. And his great-great-granddaddy knew God. And his great-great-great-granddaddy knew God. He was from a lineage that knew God. So it's not surprising that Jehaziel knew God. There's something about having a godly heritage. I'm going to tell you something. That's my whole purpose in life. I don't have a godly heritage. But I have committed my life to starting one from my life. I want my children to know God. I want my grandkids to know God. I want my great-grandkids to know God. I want a godly heritage to start with me. So all the way to the third and fourth generation, they'll be blessed. Because of what their great, great Papa Randy did, they will know God. I say all that to encourage you. If like me, you know of no godly heritage in your life, then let it start with you tomorrow. Start building it. So here's Judah. They learn of the enemy's attack. They fast and pray. The Spirit of the Lord falls upon Jehazel, and he begins to speak on behalf of the Lord, giving them instruction. He says, about tomorrow, say tomorrow. Today they're sitting in fear and in their discouragement. They have this enormous enemy surrounding them, just like some of you do. We lose a lot of battles with our enemy simply because of fear, because of discouragement, because the enemy appears to be so large. He can make a mountain out of a molehill. Earlier I talked about having faith about tomorrow, to look at tomorrow as a possibility for a brighter future about believing this too shall pass, that it ain't always going to be like this. It just takes having faith in the one who holds tomorrow, believing on the dark days that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. But there's more, much more prominent perspective people have when facing their enemy. They don't really have much faith in tomorrow. When fear sets in and discouragement sets in, rather than believing tomorrow will be a better day, most believe things are probably only going to probably just get worse. So here's Judah, surrounded by this vast army. 
Verse 14 states it's huge. They prayed, they fasted. The Spirit of the Lord falls into Hazel. He spoke to people in King Jehoshaphat. Here's what God told him to tell them. Be not afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Then he tells them why. Because the battle's not yours. Now, that would be a relief to know. You mean we don't have to fight them? But hey, wait. If it's not ours, then whose is it? And he answers, it's the Lord's. They have a choice to make now, believe it or not. They can't believe this if they don't have faith. And faith without works is dead. They can't just be hearers. They have to be doers of the word. And Jehaziel goes on to tell them what to do. He says, the Lord says, tomorrow, here we go now, tomorrow, march down against them, against who? Their enemy, the vast army, just a minute. I thought we didn't have to fight them. That's what I would have been questioning. I, was, I thought you said we didn't have to fight them. He told them exactly where to go to find their enemy. In verse 15, he said, they'll be climbing up the pass of Ziz, and you'll find them at the end of the gorge in the desert, Jeruel. Then in verse 16, the Lord reminds them again, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions and stand firm and watch. I like this. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And then once again, he tells them again, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. For those of you who really have no expectation for tomorrow because of what you're facing today, here's the word for you. God says you don't have to fight your enemy. You've just got to face your enemy, and don't be afraid or discouraged, and that if you will just stand firm and hold your positions and face your enemy tomorrow, I'll do all the fighting, and tomorrow will be a new day. He told Judah this very thing. He thought that tomorrow is going to be a new day. Things aren't going to be like today anymore. But unlike yesterday, you got to get up and face your enemy. You don't have to fight them, but you got to face them. What am I saying? When you learn to give your battle to the Lord, when you learn to put your trust in God and not man, when you pray and you fast, God will give you instruction how to face your enemy. So many people are defeated because when their enemy comes, they don't stand firm and they don't hold their positions. When you face your enemy and let the Lord do the fighting, guess what? You sleep better. Your blood pressure gets better. Your attitude gets better. You get better regardless if your circumstances are better or not. And you'll come out of the fire never even smelling like smoke, declaring had it not been for the Lord on my side. Now, this is your word. The Lord says when you get up tomorrow... And do as I instructed you to do today, you will see my deliverance. It's time for some folks to see their deliverance. Deliverance from the, on their lives of their battles, on their children, on their grandchildren. How many folks in here want to see God deliver you out of your situations? How many of you want to wake up tomorrow and things finally be different? With a different attitude, with a different perspective. Then you got to do something different today. Start believing the sun's going to come up tomorrow. You're going to have to believe today that tomorrow is another possibility of victory. Start seeing yourself as the victor and no longer the victim. Position yourself. Plant your feet. If you'll show up, God will show up. It's his desire to show himself strong on your behalf. I'd like to ask the musicians if they come at this time. And while they do, let me ask you something. How many of you have seen the old movie, Karate Kid? Probably most of us all. Probably every one of us seen it. 
I'm talking about the one where Will Smith produced the movie and his son played the part of the Karate Kid. That's the one I'm talking about. Well, a father takes his son to see the movie. Most know this show. We all know that in the end, he has to finally face his enemy and he defeats him. Well, when the movie was over, the father took his son to see it. He asked his son, did you think the boy was going to lose the fight at the end? The boy says, no. I knew all along he was going to win. And the dad asked him, says, and just how did you know that? And the son replies, because his father produced a show and he's not going to let his son lose. And the, son, the same goes for all of us. Our heavenly father is not going to let his children lose either. Come on, somebody. Upon hearing Hazel's prophecy, verse 18 says, Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and worshiped, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem worshiped the Lord. Because on hearing the word, they chose to believe it. And as a result, the next day, as they went to face their enemy, led by the praiser, the Lord ambushed their enemy and destroyed him. Would you stand to your feet?